I got a message for your American buddy. I'm your wife, damn it! Ah, would have to go up to the wives in the library or the supermarket and say hello. I am new here. I know, George, you think I don't know anything, but I know people. I get 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you. You wanted your file? I found you your file. You wanted out? I got you out. You needed money? I found you some. Now, let's face it here. I've got to, you know, latch on to something in my life. Oh, yeah, you blend. No use to try to sweet talk me, Miss Scarlet. I know you ever since I put the first pair of diapers on you. Who was going to love me? Who, who was going to make me feel good? I wish I had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets your shit. I got a two-inch thick solo in steak. Sit and defrost it right this minute. When you and Guy come over and supper with us tonight, what do you say? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and I don't know a sonnet from a steak sandwich. And my name is Colin Drucker, and I knew we were going to pick the same line. I had the same one. I knew it. I had another one I was going to say, and how are you feeling today? That was my backup. Oh my gosh. (laughs) We're just so witty. We're yes, we are so in sync. We're just so witty. <laughs> Cancel it. Play us off. I know. Um, yes. Well, if if any of that is any indication, folks, uh, that is a uh, that's an indication that yeah. we are here today to talk about the 2001 HBO movie Wit. Yeah, I. I'm so glad that we did this. This was your idea last week, and I was like, yeah, we'll give it a whirl. But Emma Thompson, I mean, and Audra, we're going to get to Audra. I just, it was so, I hesitate saying like fun to revisit this because the subject matter is so uh, heavy, but there is so many like, it's beautiful. It reads like Shakespeare or John Donne, Um, but I... I just so enjoyed this. It was like, uh, I don't know. I was just like luxuriating in all of the language in this like play, which was turned into this miniseries who, directed by Mike Nichols. And it's like, come on. It's perfect. I know. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was originally, it was a play written by Margaret Edson mm-hmm. that won the Pulitzer in 1999. As it and, should. Yes. Uh, yeah. It, was, uh, it premiered off Broadway with Kathleen Chalfant and then, uh, in 2012, it uh, was revived with uh, Cynthia Nixon, which I think you and I separately we both, both saw. saw. Yes. It might have been in the same theater the same night. Who oh knows? Oh, my gosh. Who knows? Uh, and, yeah, and fun fact about Margaret Edson is this is the only play she has ever written. And uh, as of, you know, for the past number, many number of years, she's been like a, an English teacher in the Atlanta area. And that's what? what she's doing. So she like ah, didn't even try to write another one as far as I could tell from the, the trivia. There might be like a salon.com article about her. But like, <laughs> yeah, so created this incredible play. Uh, and I mean, I would say like, yeah, hey, re- you, you created something and won a fucking Pulitzer. I totally get being like, yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to achieve. I'm good. One and done. Uh, yeah, she doesn't even need to. It's so gorgeous. Like, it's... Because I, I was going to... I mean, I'm sure you obviously did the research too, but I, I was like, I feel like this won the Pulitzer because, damn, it is just, like, airtight as far as just... And I I mean, I can't remember. Gosh, it was like, you know, what was it, 2012? 
I think well, I think it I think I know it's 2012 because one I looked it up, but also I wanted to know who beat Cynthia Nixon that year, mm. and this was the year that Nina Arianda beat a whole slew of amazing women for Venus and Fur. Oh, right, right. Do, yes. do you remember who else was nominated that year? I didn't look it up, but oh, I probably okay. could now. But I remember like. Um, Oh, gosh, because it's like this should have won. And on the flip side of that, too, I was like, who the hell beat Emma Thompson for this Emmy Award? And it was, I mean, this is a conversation for a room of gays. It was Judy Davis for, what was it called? I can never remember the title. Uh me and My Shadows, the the Judy Garland, which I have to say, I still haven't watched. I've only seen the first part, and Amanda, I know you're listening, and you're going to text us in like three hours and scold us, but I know, we know, we know. Well, yeah, and Tammy Blanchard was who beat Audrey McDonald. For I Emmy. know. Ugh. So, I know. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, I it is so on my list. It's just a matter of, of getting to it. But, yeah, I was um, certainly watching this. That, that I had the exact same thought of, like, who beat Emma Thompson for an Emmy for this? Like, this is... Most of the movie rests on her, you know, on her weary shoulders. Like, there are scenes that are just close-up of her bald head just given a monologue with no cuts and going through, you know, variations of, of you know, awful chemo treatments. And it's like... It really, it's such an intimate movie. Like, I felt so close to Vivian because of the way that it was filmed and how she was addressing us directly. And, like, because it's Emma Thompson, where you just, like, she just has such an immediately disarming quality, you know? Absolutely. Um, I I did look up the nominees here. So we have, for Best Performance by an Actress in a Leading Role in a Play that year, we have Nina Arianda for Venus and Fur. This was also the year of Tracy Bennett for End of the Rainbow, another Judy vehicle. Oh which my! The I only thing I about that. I the only thing I know about it is that Jason Powell hated it, so I hate it too. Yeah, hate <laughs> it. Watch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, fine. And then we had Stocker Channing from Other Desert Cities, and mm-hmm. Linda Lavin for The Lions, L Y O N S, and then Cynthia Nixon for Wits. Um, yeah, I saw other desert here. cities. That was a that was an interesting play. That I think I saw it with. Um, it I don't. It was Rachel Griffiths at one point, but then I think it was Elizabeth Marvel. And I feel like I probably went to see it specifically for Elizabeth Marvel because oh. I love her. Have we talked about her? She was. Uh, she's one of my favorite guest stars on Thirty Rock. She plays the woman that Liz meets when she takes time off, and it's like. She and the other, yeah, they have all the moms, yeah, club for moms, yeah, right, right, and um, and she was in this unbelievable production of the Little Foxes at New York Theater Workshop, and oh, there's a trailer they made for that that I keep meaning to send to you because it like you'll, it's like it's like a minute and twenty seven seconds of heaven. It's just so good, and and how it ends. Okay, put a pin in this. We might do a whole episode (laughs) where we just do a watch along of your live reaction to the Little Foxes trailer. <laughs> I sign me up. I it's wa- so good. I also wanted to note, too, just because we're covering Smash on Patreon, uh, this was also the Tony Awards that Christian Borle won his first Tony for Peter and the Starcatcher for Best Performance. It's a featured actor in a play. Wow. How do you like that? A Best Supporting Actor, if you I will. know. It suits him, I feel. And it's for a play, not a musical. I think he won a couple years later for... Um, something rotten for playing Will Shakespeare. And he was well, hilarious, yeah. 
you know, as an, as anyone who's following along with us, and if you're not, I mean, good God, girl, get on board. We're covering <laughs> season one of Smash on Patreon. It just gets better and better and better. Yes. And when I say better, I mean crazier and, and bonkers-er. Yeah. Uh, feel free to join us at patreon.com slash Pod. But indeed, I have been appreciating Christian Borrell as an actor more and more each episode and his ability to play a gay man. So I believe he could win a Tony for playing other characters. Absolutely. Um but back to wits. I mean, I I don't know. I'm gonna look real quick to see a featured role in a play. Oh, the I guess the actress who was who played Susie was not nominated for uh, a Tony that year, which is unfortunate. The 2012 year. Yeah, the 2012. Yeah, year, yes. yeah. Um, you know, and I have to say, I feel like I remember liking, not loving that production, and I I can't put my finger on what it was but it was probably because the movie set such a high bar of like what i was kind of you know kind of like seeing who's afraid of virginia wolf and then going to see a production of it i'm always going to measure it by like okay but like they had sandy dennis what do you got you know what i mean yeah and don't mess with it i i just feel like i i understand the need and want to like make it like a i mean going back to smash here like you know a a witch for the you know the modern eye you know but mm-hmm. or, or any or any revival um you know death of a salesman or you know whatever it happens to be but like with those classics like we want to see the classics and we want like i don't know fireworks on stage i don't need it to be and take place at like a truck stop or something you know yeah. or a playground or whatever it is it's just I don't know. Well, you know what that makes me think of is there is a new production of A Raisin in the Sun at the public. That sentence feels like such a pretentious New Yorker statement. So I was going to say. Production, oh. New production at the public. And it's like the public sounds like a, an abbreviation, but it really is. And it's the public theater, you know, but like. It's the only I, acceptable abbreviation. Yeah, I, because it's like, what else do you want me to call it? Of course it's a theater, you know? Yeah, you feel like a goon if you say the public theater. You feel like right. you don't live in New York, which you do, so. Exactly. So it's like, so, uh, you know, mea culpa, but so there's a new production. I haven't, it just came out, but I was reading something about it today where it was like the, Maybe it was the director. I guess they're still using the the original text, but like the way that they're staging it or the way that they're doing it, it's making the play more about the women than Walter, the you know typically the main character. And you know his commentary was like for this, um, for this queer woman to write this play. I didn't know Lorraine Hansberry was queer, but like. I'm not mad at it. Yeah, uh, I, I know great, you know, another one for us, you yes. know. Um, but he was like, for someone, for for this queer woman to write this play um, and have it still feel like it's centered around the man in the story, while there's these other incredibly strong like female roles in the play. Um, female roles that sounds, you know what I mean? Like yeah, there's sure. incredibly strong women in the play. Um, it just felt like. You know, uh, as a wise woman once said in Hereditary, what a waste. And so uh, I guess this new staging is more like, for example, the way the scene and I haven't read or seen. It's been years. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. though, Audra McDonald, this is uh, related because she was uh, nominated for that. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, apparently the way it's being staged now, like the character of Walter doesn't he kind of enters scenes that the other 
women have already kind of established. Like he's not the start of every scene or he's not kind of the driving force of a scene. I don't know how they're going to do it without changing the script, but I guess the point being that like what you're talking about, it's like, yeah, don't, don't set who's afraid of Virginia Woolf in space, you know? Yes, yes, yes. But I'm totally open to like finding a new way to look at the original text, you know? Yeah. New angles for, for women-centric plays. And I yes. and I was yeah. never really excited. Was it is Walter Walter Younger? Why don't yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. I mm-hmm. I mean it, when I when I think of that play when I read it like 17 years ago, it's like I I I only remember the women. And that's right. what should be at the forefront of every play that, really. <laughs> that'd be a movie to re- that'd be a movie to watch, a movie yeah. to do this podcast. Ooh. I feel like that'd be the BSAs of a Raisin in the Sun. And actually that would be cool. We could either do because I feel like there is there's a, a Sydney Poitier version and then there is uh, they I think it. Yeah. they filmed it with Audrey McDonald and like and, P Diddy and P Diddy why not so you know uh, maybe we'll you know I'll watch both and decide which one to talk about but um, having seen a, like a stage production of Wit and now having seen the movie I think. I don't mind I like the changes they clearly made by like having flashbacks and whatnot, I think helped and were and they were done in a way that didn't take away from like the tone of the play, of it being this kind of her telling us directly and like talking to us directly, it then have her like throwing us to a flashback. You know what I mean? Yeah, I felt like they were really seamless because on paper that could be kind of hokey, like her in her hospital gown as like a, a six year old girl reading a story about a bunny. But it just mm-hmm. it the first time it happened, I was like, Oh yeah, this is this is perfect. Yeah. It really like yeah, it, it doesn't it, there's no false notes here. I feel like it's very, and it's probably because Mike Nichols is directing, mm-hmm. and Mike Nichols and Emma Thompson wrote the script together. Yes, yes. Which, ugh, because she is, she, you know, she won an Oscar, I think, for uh, writing Sense and Sensibility. Sense yes. and Sensibility. So it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, as if she needs any qualification. She's Emma fucking Thompson. She's I know. incredible. Um, but yeah, I just feel like because of like very specific direction and casting, including Audra McDonald, I feel like that's, I mean, like, let's get three time at that point, three time Tony winner, Audra McDonald in the supporting role as the nurse, like all of those choices, I think, um, set a very specific tone that never got too maudlin or never got too wry or never got too cold, but was a little of all of those things at times, you know? Yeah. It's like you can, and I feel like we've had this conversation before because we cover, I'd say a, a fair amount of like play to movie adaptations or even mm. wouldn't have been like she would, this would have been her like, for Emma Thompson, because she has two already, this would have been her third Oscar if this was a movie. There's no question. Yeah. And how oh, cool yeah. would have that? Like, I'm glad it exists somewhere. I feel like if you can't make it a film, you put it on HBO, and I don't want to say hope for the best, but, like, it, it did win best miniseries that year, I believe. Yeah, um, or best movie, because it's te- best, technically. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, oh, I lost what I was going to say. I was I was too excited about Emma Thompson, but I, oh, yeah, she just, it, it does feel like a play and it doesn't feel like a play at the same time. It's like, I, I, I can definitely, like if I was to show this to Keon and not tell him, like, would he be able to pick that up? I don't know. Because it's like Fleabag. Um, right. Where right. he's just kind of talking, but you know, there are these extemporaneous sort of monologues that are just like, uh, I don't want to say go off the rails. That's not the right phrase, but um, they're just so 
it's so fun to listen to and i'm i'm and you're so kind of enraptured with vivian from the start too she's funny and she's like a hard ass and it, it's really compelling to watch her just kind of fight this because she thinks she can outsmart cancer with her words mm-hmm. and her brain and and just watching that slow oh gosh horrific deterioration is just um it's hard but also beautiful I mean, that reminds me of of one of my favorite lines in the movie when she says, I thought that being extremely smart would take care of it, but it seems I have been found out. Yes. And I just, I mean, I have to say at the start, like, I I agree with everything you're saying about, like, just the language and just, like, enjoying, like, the writing. And it really is giving me the same feelings that the hours gave me. Yeah. You know? Of, like, oh, I could hear the writing, and I love it. And there's at one point where she talks about... um, after she has the after uh, Jason gives her the exam and she's like you know and there, and there's nothing more degrading than than a pelvic exam from a former student and I and I use that word intentionally and I realize like oh the joke of degrading and grading and and he has this whole thing about her giving him an A minus and I was like that is so smart like yes. she made a little pun in there and I ugh it's just so fucking smart yeah um, it is again airtight everything is so so thoughtful and. Um, I, I think there's something else about it, and I, I feel like we've said it before, maybe, and I've said it multiple times. It just sounds better coming from a British actor or actress in this case, too, and it makes sense that she would be British. It just like it, it feels like. I hate saying poetry because it's so on the nose, but it is. It's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it's like when I think about, and, and maybe that was part of it was like, you know, Cynthia Nixon. Um, you know, in, in 2012 playing this role, because it was like, oh, well, she wasn't British. She, you know, Vivian's supposed to be British because yeah. it's like Emma Thompson. It's almost like it feels like, oh, this is like the Sandy Dennis quality of this is the only way to play this role. Yeah. And I I will say that I did see in the trivia that uh, Patricia Clarkson was considered <gasps> for this role. And I would have been OK with that as well. <laughs> I, I mean, any woman we've ever talked about would be like, this is like the... What is that called? Like in rep. Like we just need to have wit mm-hmm. going all the time too. Right, right. Yeah, this is the the love loss and what I wore for <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> near one woman shows. Yes. Yeah. The uh, nonsense, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, for anyone who, who doesn't know uh, quite what wit is, uh, I feel like we've kind of covered it, but it really is the incredibly sad story of this, uh, this professor who... Uh, you know, it's sort of like has, you know, three stages of undetected cancer in her ovaries. And then finally some, you know, some pain sent her to the doctor, which sends her to the hospital, which is like, oh, guess what? You have stage four cancer. Uh. And so our terminal ovarian cancer. And, you know, and you kind of get the impression that this is um, or you, you kind of are shown more than told that this is someone who doesn't really have, you know, there's no partners or husbands or lovers or anything in her life there's no children i don't know you know her parents are probably gone we see her father in a flashback like it's so it's very much this woman also dealing with having cancer and going through an an aggressive experimental treatment largely on her own and so it's like that really having like this time around watching this that's what weighed on me the most is like oh my god like that element of like, and you're doing this with like nobody visiting you, you know? When Eileen Atkins walked around that corner, I I forgot, I forgot that mm. she was there. 
And um, I just, I lost it really because I feel like the predecessor, I know I'm skipping ahead, but like no. the predecessor to that is like the popsicle scene too. It's just like, have a popsicle with me in the way that Susie, played by Audra McDonald, just sits down and, you know, really kind of breaks the news. Like this is, you're near the end of the road here. Um, but it's just, oh, it's it, it really like, it's a gut punch in a way. It's like, because we know what's going to happen. We know that this is, I mean, I guess we don't know, but like it's stage four and it's bad. And they're really only, it's like, she's some sort of lab rat in a way. And that's like where Dr. Posner and, um, oh my goodness, Christopher. Christopher, Christopher Lloyd, Lloyd, Dr. Kalikian. Yes. Which I love that name. Um, kind of come in, but they're playing this other side of the fence of like, they're just more, uh, they're, they're more concerned about the research and, yeah, it's it it really is kind of, you know, without beating over the head with it, it's really kind of showing all sides of going through something that like thousands and thousands of people go through in terms of like cancer and, you know, treating cancer to, you know, to different levels of aggression, but there's, you know, there there's the patient who is, you know, appropriately named bearing because she's just bearing this, you know, uh this treatment. And then, you know, th- yeah, these these research doctors and like this was a detail I only really picked up this time was like Jason and Dr. Kalikian, like, these are not, like, resident doctors. These are not, like, bedside matters. These are not Christina Yang's. These are research doctors who have to do a year in a hospital. Like, they don't they don't want to work with patients. Or certainly Jason has no interest in actually working with patients. This is, like, the same way that he had to take English in college because it was a prereq. Yes. This is a prereq for him to then go off and just do research. Yeah. I, the whole time I kept seeing um, his name is Jonathan M. Woodward in real life. I kept thinking in my mind and still probably for like for the rest of my days will think he's the son from the birdcage. Oh, Dan Futterman. Yeah, he yeah. has that sort of, you know, fu- I'm such a Futterman head, but he's hot too. I mean, <laughs> right. we should do the birdcage. Well, have we ever done the birdcage? No. Oh, we have my not. goodness. Okay. So I know. I know. That's just been like sitting there waiting for us to talk about Diane Weist. <laughs> That's... An oversight. I can't believe that. Well, I know. Moving on. Uh, I, what's funny is uh, Doctor Posner. I would before the movie started. I was convinced he was played by Noah Wiley. Oh yes, uh, I could totally see that. Yeah, but it was like, oh, it's not. I had okay. such a thing for Noah Wiley back in the day. He's like goofy hot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, like and, great and nose. there's like great spikes to his hair. Yes. You know. I feel like that's it. Like if he, it's kind of like you know, if he cut his hair, it'd be like, oh, Noah. Where are the where's the spikes along the back? Yeah, you know? of course. Ugh. But we were talking so, about the doctors, and yeah. So there's the doctors, yeah. So that so there's that point of view, um, where you know they'll just kind of mindlessly ask, like, "And how are you feeling today?" And you know, while she's, I mean, the best, like, it, it's such a great punchline is when you know she's writhing in pain towards the end, Ugh. and Doctor Kleekin comes in, and you know. Susie's like, it's time to put her on, you know, patient-administered analgesics and all that. And he looks at her and he's like, you know, uh, hello, Vivian, are you in any pain? And she just, like, looks at us in the camera like, are you kidding me? Yes. And it's so, I mean, like, the fact that it's, like, one of the funniest moments in the movie is is an impressive, impressive feat of writing, acting, and directing. Yeah, but, it's Emma Thompson, it's the writing. And I think yeah. we, we desperately need that throughout this because of the subject matter. Yes, this was this the brief moments of humor were so needed. Um, and you know, speaking of moments of light, uh, best supporting Audra McDonald <sighs> as Nurse Susie Monahan, 
uh, a role that I think is, it's not a very showy BSA role. I wouldn't say that she has like moments with capital M, but she is so important and such a quintessential kind of best supporting character and like is really, I think, you know, represents a lot of nurses who are like, they're the ones doing the bedside manner. They're the ones having the hard conversations. They're the ones dealing with the patients at their worst uh, and, you know, having to kind of do that emotional labor. And she's, I just, I swoon for nurse Susie. I could not agree more. I mean, she is, I, 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 I it's like, she is, she's like who I would want to be. <laughs> I would want to mm-hmm. play Susie. And like, there's this one moment and I'm so glad they kept it. It's so small and, and maybe unnoticeable, but when um, Vivian comes back in eventually when she's wearing that beret and she has the fever and mm-hmm. Susie goes to reach for the thermometer, she trips over the chair. She kind of like kicks it. I love oh, that. I love I didn't notice and that. She totally didn't mean to do it. She just kind of like turned around so quickly, but it like it adds to the urgency of how much Susie does care because I mean, we talked about it maybe briefly when we're talking about our BSAs of Grey's, the early days of Grey's Anatomy, um, like how do you compartmentalize like feelings for these patients who are literally going through hell and that you have to, you know, you you know that they're probably going to be gone at some point too and just keep your sanity. And I think she toes that line really well because Audra McDonald is so charismatic and likable to begin with so you do, she doesn't need to work that hard but i feel like she is at the same time which makes me love her even more i think the casting of her is so great because it's like because it's audra mcdonald it's like what she can say with just a glance like i feel like there's looks that she would give jason or yes. dr kalikian that say so much that she actually can't say out loud you know and she is like the person who walks in when Vivian is kind of like thinking of pulling the cord, like just kind of like ending it all. Oh, the, the, before the popsicle scene? Yeah, that's is what that... I took it as. Was it was that nodded? I don't know. I think what, because I, I wasn't sure. I, I think what it was is that she she pinches the, the tube, which kind of um, create like it, it sets off a sensor that there's a blockage of like whatever oh, is kind of being fed into her through the maybe. IV. So yeah, she was. It was kind of a a way of asking for help without hitting the call button. Got it. Oh, I love that even more. I thought she was just yeah. going to yank the tubes out and be like, "I'm done. I'm done here." Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, that was I. That is one of my favorite scenes. Is that she? You know, uh, it's like four o'clock in the morning, and and Susie comes in and um and checks on her and checks on the tube and and it it's sort of like it it could all play out as kind of a normal sort of check-in. How's it going? But then like Susie, it, like she, I think this is kind of like the magic of nurses moment of like, she picks up on something of like, what's going on? You okay? You know, yes. like it's, it's like, Oh, this is, this is more than just this thing kept you awake. You know? Yeah. My only complaint is she got her banana flavored popsicle. Oh, I know. So yeah. So Vivian, yeah, she starts to cry. I mean, I love like just, this scene it always makes me think of like in in great uh not gray's anatomy um a nurse jackie mm. uh what's her name uh the woman who played nurse jackie uh edie falco i finally Jesus, helped you I, yay i know i was never gonna get it i was just like fran fran something fran drescher i think fran drescher so fran drescher in nurse jackie <laughs> so edie falco i mean 
I I love that show. And he felt it's a I mean, I I've only seen, you know, snips and snaps of the Sopranos and I know she's amazing in that, but like, oh what she does in Nurse Jackie. But she's so good at like when there's a scene where a patient is getting upset or they're or they're crying about something, she'll do this thing where she's like, You're okay. It's okay. You're okay. And and it's just like it's so perfect and it's so like the right thing to do for someone at the time like you're okay it's okay and i feel like audra mcdonald does that really well in this scene of like it's okay you're okay i know you're okay yeah it's like i don't want to make this i'm gonna make it anyway so i'll just probably say it it's like it's like the way you feel when there's turbulence on a plane and the flight and flight attendant comes by that nurse energy or that like that experienced nurse energy or experienced flight attendant energy can can calm anyone down in any situation and mm-hmm. one of my favorite lines and like i i don't know how she did this of her saying like uh, when vivian asks at the very end of that scene the pop popsicle scene where she's like are, well are you still going to be taking care of me which i just love i just love mm. that question and like what that means and all the subtext underneath that and she's like of course i am and it's and i didn't even do it justice like it, it is so, oh yeah and she gives yeah, this be- little like smirk i'm mm-hmm. and then she puts the lotion on her hands i cried during that part too i was just like god bless nurses everywhere yeah, I so that in that scene, yeah, Vivian starts to get very upset, starts to cry, and then, you know, they she has that sort of comforting moment and then, you know, Susie goes to get her a popsicle and Vivian shares her popsicle with her. And it's just like beautiful popsicle acting. I love the tissue acting that's going on with the popsicles. And and it's and this is also interesting of like it's Susie. Susie's the one to tell Vivian, like, I I think you need to think about like, you know, long term here. Like it's not working, you know, and, and they should talk to you about that. But like, you know, and and Vivian, I I think much like us watching it, Vivian's like, yeah, I, I know. I I really didn't expect this to work, you know. Yeah. Um, Do you think – go ahead. I, I have a thought on that, but go ahead. Finish, finish your thought. Oh, well, just and, – and so that becomes the conversation about like, you know – if you were to code, do you want to be full code or do or DNR? And they make the decision that yeah. she should be DNR. And it's, I think it's at that. Yeah. Then it's kind of at that point of like, with all of that being decided, um, that's when Vivian's like, are you still going to take care of me? And yeah, like Molly, Susie kind of like tilts her head and smiles. And it's like, it's as if she's saying, come on, of course I'm going to still be there. Like, are you kidding me? It's so just like, it's not even a question, you know? Yeah. It's like a lesser writer would have been like till the very end and like grabbed her hand. Which right. I still would have cried anyway at that. <laughs> but like, right. The fact that right. She just answered it. Matter of factly like that. Just I'm, this is me just like going off on a, a tangent here about like, do you think that there was some shred of hope with Vivian that she would beat it? And then when, when, Susie said, "Like you're not gonna." That she was just like, "Well, I, I knew I wasn't anyway." But like, but she didn't seem shocked though. Oh. She wasn't playing that. But I'd be interested yeah. to see that, like, sort of texture in that scene. If like, if they took a couple takes, I don't know. Um, but mm-hmm. it's just, I love the two of them together. They're they're a good match. I think the because I I gotta say this movie. I think it is all it is in and of itself a very sad movie. I feel like it. It hit my nervous scent, my nervous system in a, in just the right and wrong ways this week. That I, I did a, I cried all my makeup off yes. watching this, but uh, so many times. But the scene that was just like an emotional roller coaster was towards the end when um, Susie is administering. I think it's like the morphine or something like that. And uh, Vivian asks her, like, "Is this w- will this have a soporific effect?" <gasps> and Susie says, 
well, I don't know about that, but it sure will make you sleepy. And they, and then Vivian, and it's like the most needed laugh. And yes. Vivian starts laughing so hard and then explains to Susie, you know, the, the humor of that. And, and then Susie starts laughing and they're just having like such a good laugh about it. And it's such a great catharsis because this is, this is pretty much, you know, pretty late into the movie. And then as the camera, like then it cuts to the hallway and like the zoom out from a room, I was like, I did the classic, like laughing into crying moment. And then I was like, ugly ugly crying and i was like oh god nothing's done this to me in a while yeah. like it was it but it was really just that full like spectrum of emotions that you want from a scene like that where it is so funny but also just like so heartbreaking at the same time agreed and audra saying i don't know what she says at the end there she's like well that was that was a dumb thing to say, wasn't it? Well, that was pretty dumb. Yes. And, she, and then Vivian's like, no, it was funny. She's like, yeah, I guess it was. But like in a dumb way. And like and she goes like, they <laughs> just, like just like yeah. a low register laugh. Oh, my goodness, Audra. It's so funny. Oh, my God. It's beautiful. And like one of the very few like moments of joy in the movie. Uh, yeah. But but, you know, a moment of joy paralleled with like this woman kind of being administered like uh, hospice level treatment, you know? Yeah, it is. Um, it's intense. I'm I'm scrolling through my notes here too. It's like, should we? Should we? I, it's like I don't want to leave Susie because I could just talk. Uh, we'll probably jump back to her. But do you want to talk about Eileen Atkins? It's a small role, I'd imagine, but also, again, the part where I cried the most because I was like, her teacher came. It is. Ugh. It's it destroyed me in every way. So she only has two scenes, mm-hmm. but as we know from the hours, we don't need buckets of Eileen oh, to get enough Eileen. I know. She is the flower lady in the hours, so she is an alum of the podcast. She may have even been at the Westons, like a featured ensemble nominee. I mean, I, I think I have my notes up here. Uh, Maybe. Let's see. Was she... I, I'm imagining. Oh, she did not. But you know, But you know what? Maybe this year, Ugh. maybe she gets it there because, you know, folks, you may not know this, but we have a little award show around here called the Westons and the second annual Westons may be coming up pretty quickly, Ugh. pretty, pretty I'm shortly, so but they're, it's, it's the best time of year. Uh, but there are indeed, there is, there was, and will likely be again, a category category for best standout ensemble performance. And, uh, I just want to remind you of like the, the category was stacked last year. Tell me. So or I, maybe not. Okay. okay. No, no, no. I'll, I, this is worth remembering. This Please. is worth remembering. So, because it's like some of these, I'm like, oh, I forgot about her. Um, so there was uh, Eliza Schlesinger, Schlesinger in Pieces of a Woman. Okay, yes. She sister. played the sister. Yes. I think I know one of the women was... on this list, and I'm going to scream. Oh, okay. no. Th- I'm saving it. Yeah, it's one of my Ooh. favorite ones. It's my favorite nominations. Um there was Amy Aquino or Aquino, either or for a working girl who is the one towards the end oh, yeah, who plays her the assistant. New one. Yeah, the new assistant. The new one. Uh, there was Hermione Badley in A Room at the Top. Yes. It was the shortest ever Oscar nominated nominated performance, or at least Best Supporting Actress. Uh, I I mean, let's just get to it. Darcy Carden and other people. That's the one. That's yeah, the one. That's the one. <sighs> I, I I mean, really, the you know, I think we even agreed in the episode that like the other. Uh, nominee Anna Devere Smith for Rachel Gil- Rachel getting married is really the patron saint of yes. best standout ensemble performances. Absolutely. Um, Respect. Yeah. So uh, so anyway, so that's what blocked out Eileen uh, Eileen Atkins from getting uh, recognized last year at the, at the Westons. But you know what? This year, 
maybe maybe there's a space for her. She was uh here's my question. And I mm-hmm. I don't know the answer and I think it's similar to what you were just saying about like that conversation whether Vivian kind of pivots when she when Susie tells her that this isn't working. Is there a world where this visit from Eileen Atkins is not real? I thought the same and I it's like, why does she have that Barnes and Noble bag then? You know? Yeah, yeah, right? Like from the Barnes and Noble in heaven. Yeah. I'm like, I want to go to Barnes and Noble with Eileen Atkins. But, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, and it's like that early 2000s. Like, I don't know if they really like changed their logo. Anyway, um, yes, I think there could be. I mean, it's uh, she, you know, she tells us that she's visiting her great grandson who turned mm-hmm. five at her birthday and she only had a small amount of time. But I did love this. I mean, I was just so relieved and thankful to Evelyn is her character's name um, that she was that someone was there to see her. Because like you said, it's like it's not until you really see her crack um Vivian sort of crack and like that she is lonely that you realize that she is alone. So when this when she turns that corner, I just oh, I was so relieved and just like, you know, I let I I. It was like an open mouth sob. Uh huh. Oh God, yeah. This movie was a real open mouth sobber. And I Vivian cries when uh, she comes. The... No, I can't. I know. Yeah, because Evelyn comes in and you know she actually explains that she's in town for a great grandson's birthday and stopped by her office and someone told her she was in the hospital and so, it, and yeah, when she climbs into the bed with her as Vivian's crying and she's like, oh, they're there and um. You know, should, should I recite some John Donne to you? Oh, God, no. And then I know. Instead reads a runaway bunny. And it's and it's great. It's such a great, you know, part in the term bookend with the scene with her father earlier on. You know, it's like this is so this is one of her fondest memories is reading with her dad. And now her, one of her last memories is reading with this like maternal figure in her life. Yeah, and they're both, I think, like, the first book was called, like, The Flopsy Bunny or something yes. like that. And yeah. I love that the rabbit theme sort of carried over and, you know, no soporific, but um, it's, did I say that word right? I've been practicing yeah. it all day, yeah, like a soporific. spell. Yeah, I learned that word because of this movie. I feel like it's one of those things that, yes. like, I would have never known that word, but, but because of this movie, and now I'll always have that. I'm I'm like Ty and um, clueless. I'm like I hope not soporifically. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, I don't know if it's soporific, but it definitely made me sleepy. My little my yeah. little feet are hanging off the couch. You know, It'll, an oversized couch. Yeah, watching a Mentos commercial. Yeah. <laughs> I want to pose a question, and maybe you know, if you don't know it now, that's fine. But I feel like this was one of them. There's a TikTok trend going around that was, the question is, what is an outfit that you saw when you were, I'd say, in like peak cataloging years like so for a yep. gay man not every gay man but like um it's it's around that sort of like 11 to 16 era maybe mm-hmm. we'll say what outfit have you did you see that just like you wanted to be them and really i feel like mine would be female over male oh, like i don't know if there yeah. was any male that i wanted to be but there's so many great female and i feel like ty and clueless in that little jumper bouncing her shoes off that couch would be I'd say top 10, maybe not top five for me, but, mm. and you can think about it. I'm going to, because my, my, my catalog just exploded my brain. Yeah. We could take it to the best supporting after show, even like next week or something. Yeah. Like yeah. Cause I mean, I'll say that like one, there's two, 
for some, maybe because I watched the movie so many times as a kid, but like a number of the outfits in the Poseidon Adventure, but certainly like Ooh, Stella yes. Stevens in a men's shirt and go-go boots. Uh, yeah, is is a uh, that stood or the fact that Pamela Sue Martin, who plays the, the like teenage girl, the fact that she had like little red like you know uh, short shorts under her red dress and was able to just like take the dress off and just have little short shorts yes, on. Yes, yes, always wowed me. Oh, I was we love always a reveal. Like, I love a reveal, <laughs> and I love that color the red. Original reveal. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, she just turned that ship upside down with that reveal. <laughs> <laughs> you really. Really tore it up in this thing. <laughs> I think that's like my favorite quote from Drag Race. Is oh, you really tore so it up in this thing? Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh God. Um, yeah, but you know, yeah, I think it's a fun question. You know, to just you know think about. Uh, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll the, revisit it. That'll be yeah the the best supporting outfits from our yeah, childhood. Yeah, an assignment, yeah. but not an assignment. I think mm. it's a fun one. Yeah. Um, well, put a pin in that. Uh, yes. You know, watch this space. You know, uh, we're talking about outfits. We're talking about details. I feel like a detail that I need to talk about in this movie is the music. I'm getting like yes. puddly eyed thinking about the music right now. It is so. So this is some of my like favorite music. So and it's mm-hmm. um, they use uh, frequently like the one you hear the most often in the opening and the closing credits and frequently is this. Uh, and I'm probably going to butcher all of this because it's all like in German, but it's called Spiegel im Spiegel. Okay. Uh, and it's by this uh, composer, Arvo Part, which I'm probably pronouncing wrong. There's an umlaut over the A. Uh, it, it's just like heartbreaking. Like I, I, it's so beautiful. And I love, I feel like I had heard it before, but like seeing this movie, you know, at some point in the early 2000s, it was a, a variation of cataloging of like, what is that? What is that song? I need more mm. music that does this and makes me feel like that, you know? Um, yes, absolutely. I even like the strings at the beginning that's sort of like, wow, wow. Like it's like this high pitched and it's not like tense though. It's still like, and the only reason I really remember the strings is because I was watching this with Lucy, my dog. I know her. And um, she kind of did like a head tilt at the beginning, and it was really cute because of the high strings. But agreed, it's like the piano underscoring during uh, the Eileen Atkins. I almost said Eileen Brennan. Eileen uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Brennan, oh my God, I would have been amazing. Can you imagine? Uh, uh, um it's just, I mean, it does exactly what a score is supposed to do. It's like, it it's beautiful on its own, but like paired with the film, it's just like, it's the, you know, it's the score equivalent to taking it to a 27. Yeah. I mean, and, and not only do they use this, this Spiegel im Spiegel, which I think is mirror in mirror. It's, you know, it's like a mirror reflecting mirror. Oh, um, but, and I feel like we, I don't know why we've talked about this, but the, one of the other things they use is uh, little excerpts from the second movement of Heinrich Gorecki's Symphony Number no. 3, which is mm. one of my favorite things in the world. It's like an hour long. It's beautiful. I feel, I feel like we've talked about it once before. I feel like I've wanted to assign it to you as uh, an assignment, even though it's a, you know, quite a commitment, but it is yeah. So beautiful. And I just like forgot that that because I remembered that Spiegel and Spiegel was in this, but I forgot about this other one. And I was like, oh, this movie, like, you know, what? it's it's like biting into something and you're like, oh, my God, does this have chocolate in it? You know what I mean? It's like, I didn't know there was a filling. Yeah, exactly. I agree. It is. 
It's beautiful, and I wouldn't mind listening to that. I might have to break it up into chunks. I feel like you it's know, in I'm three parts. The house one day. Oh, perfect. Yeah, it's in three parts, and there's different versions of it. There's one from the '70s that I've listened to the most, but then there's another one that's more recent. That the because there's a singer as well. There's a there's you know, uh, and uh, a soprano as well. Uh, to nice. to use you know, I'm learning from Smash. You know, there trying, we go. trying yeah. to use the term. It's not a belt. It's yeah, a trill. Want, it, yeah. I don't know if she's got a mix, but she might. I might have heard the trail. Um, <laughs> But then there's another one that was more recent uh, that the the singer is one of my favorite singers ever. Her name is Lisa Gerard. And so it's a it's a real Sophie's choice of which one to listen to. But Ooh, both okay. are amazing. Lisa Gerard sounds familiar. It's like I feel like I should know who that is, but uh, it's OK. She's been on a lot of movie soundtracks and she was probably most well known for the Gladiator soundtrack. And she won a Golden Globe for Best Original Song. That's oh, what I, I can love get. that. Because I remember when that happened and I was like watching the awards like, you know, in like 2003 or whatever. And I was like, Lisa Gerard, like nobody in my life at that point, because I was like in high school. Nobody listened. No, I was the I was the only gay in the village on that one. Yes. And it was just this like little moment of like, I know her. I like her. You know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I love those moments. Uh, so anyway, um, just another thing to love about this movie is is the stun. The, like, if they had a Philip Glass score, it, it was kind of like a similar yes. effect, you know? If you can't get Philip Glass, Spiegel him, Spiegel. It get, is, some spie- you know? get two Spiegels and have yes. them look at each other. Yeah. It's <laughs> beautiful. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, other than, you know, I, the other alum of this movie, we've talked about a little bit, but um, Christopher Lloyd playing Dr. Kalikian, which is, yeah, it. Uh, I feel like that's like an um, an onomatopoeia of, of like the sound a bad knee makes. Kalikian, you know? Yes. And maybe a play on like Kevorkian in a way. <gasps> oh, that's so smart. Yeah. Yes. I didn't put that together until right now. Um that would make sense. Like if, if Vivian Baring obviously has like a, a, a double meaning. So Kalikian would make sense as well. Yes. Yes. Um, well, now I want to know if Monaghan means anything or Ashford. I, mean, I know. Posner. I'm like, Posner. Poser. Po- he's a poser. He's Remember a poser. People used to call her po- each other posers in middle school. Right? Like, I mean, and you know what's so crazy is like, it's not an irrelevant term now. It's probably more relevant than ever, you know? Yeah. A po- it's like a poser would be probably like what I would be like me trying to wear like Jinko jeans. And uh-huh. It just doesn't work. I'm not that kind of guy. And you just, it's just, it's, but I wanted them. that. Yeah, sure. Sure. Uh, my brother was a Jenko's jeans, Ugh, but I, I was always so into it. I, well, I'm so, wow. I was too, I, I think my gay sensibilities kicked in. I was like, girl. So I like, I, uh, someday I'll find some pictures of some truly horrific outfits I wore during those blunder years. So I am not judging your Jenkos, but um, that was luckily the one trend I was like, no, nah, I'm good. Yeah. I had a lot of shirts with like, str- like a horizontal stripe on them. I feel like they just uh-huh. one like uh-huh. right over the nipple. <laughs> yep. Oh, sure. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like I, I don't rem- I I don't remember what age because I think I also kind of borrowed or got hand me downs from my brother of like sweaters from Structure, but that was like oh, a big cool. deal. It was like clothes from Structure, you know? Yeah, I never was interested in like my brother's clo- my older brother. He had like a lot of sports stuff, and I was like, Oh yeah, we can do better than that. Need yeah, a belt here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need a jacket here. Shopping in the we... husky section. At yeah, <laughs> I think we need a Jenko here. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, um, so but Christopher yes. Lloyd, yeah, Christopher I, Lloyd. One of my—it's fa- not even his uh, 
it is his line. He starts it, but um, Vivian picks it up. It's like, what do you do for exercise? And she says, pace. Yeah. And I, it, it's, it's like the perfect representation of who she is. Like, it tells me everything I need to know about her. I love... I just love someone who's really at the top of their field, like in any movie. Like I think of like uh, J.K. Simmons and Whiplash, mm-hmm. like someone who's really gonna like beat the shit out of you, like mentally and emotionally. Like I love those kind of movies. Do you feel like Christopher Lloyd is gonna beat the shit out of you? Uh, no, only in my dreams. <laughs> only in my dreams. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I guess that's probably more like an Eileen Atkins fills that role in this way too. I love the line of like, uh, what does she say? Begin with the text, not a mm-hmm. feeling. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means, but I love it. But I do but know what it means yeah. in a way. Yeah. Anything you want, Eileen. Yes. Yeah. Um, the other, I guess, the other kind of notable casting is that Vivian's father is played by Harold Pinter. Yeah. Which is just like kind of a random, okay, all right, Harold Pinter. I feel like he pops up in things every once in a while just because I guess he just had a moment, you know, he had time. Yeah, I feel like our modern day Harold Pinter is like Tracy Letts, only like yeah. Tracy is. He's a queen, put him on the list. I don't I, know if he was last year. Or if no, we I think... had the category last year. Oh, Did no, we? We, had, we had John Goodman, oh, yes, Anthony that's Hopkins. Right. That's right. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Philip Bosco, maybe I don't this know. My year, wire this is year will be crossed. okay. Yeah, uh, Philip Bosco has not been made a queen yet, but in so for anyone who doesn't know, this is a, a very important category at the Westons. It's where uh, a rare moment where we honor the men who uh, have have jumped out to us. And so last year we had um, John Goodman, Anthony Hopkins, Tracy Letts, and uh, 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 Stanley, Stanley Tucci. Tucci. Yeah, yeah. Like and this that. year it. There's some, you know, there's a Philip Bosco in there. There's some, I, I think, finally, Albert Finney. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We need to do our notes on it, folks. But, like, anyway, uh, that needs to be said that, like, yes. Um, yeah, right. Who will be the queen of all queens? This who will be the queen? The yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The queen of all queens. Yeah, forget drag race. Yeah. Um. So, anyway. So, uh, Harold Pinter. Maybe you'll be a queen. A queen. Who knows? Maybe not for this movie, but maybe one day we'll run into you and you'll be a queen. Yeah, I. It's like he seemed. I mean, he kind of took to her once they t- started to talk about the definition of soporific. But before that, he was just like, oh, 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 I'm, a, "I'm a dad yeah. who sits in a chair. Read so another book. I need yeah. to see more before I make." that decision like for both of us yeah i mean and i guess that makes sense now that i'm thinking about it that like it's funny the way her her father i mean i i think we were shown that he was like a warm guy but i get the impression that he only connected on certain things or i like inserting that narrative one of those that like when it came to reading and literature and books like there he kind of lit up but otherwise was not didn't have kind of the nerve endings for other things and i wonder if I like the idea that that informed Vivian as a professor later, that she didn't have any warm and feelies, but would show a lot of passion for certain topics, you know? Yeah, but it's just such a dense topic. My goodness. It's, yeah. I would not want to take her class, but I'd want to at the same time. I just want to get on her good side. Oh, right. I know. I just, I want her to like me. I want her to, to just, you know, it's, it's like that line in, in doubt where like Meryl Streep's, Streep's character says to Amy Adams character, like, oh, you'd give anything for just a scrap of warmth right now or something like yes, that. Yes. And I always think about that. like, oh yeah, I know that feeling. I went to Catholic school. I know that feeling really well. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. Um, well, I, any other thoughts on on wit? Any any other takeaways? Uh, indeed, as you said, it, uh, both Emma Thompson and um, 
Audra McDonald were nominated for Emmys. Yes. Uh, but indeed, it did win uh, for best uh, miniseries or you know TV movie or special. Uh, did it? Oh no! Yes, it won for outstanding made for TV movie. Mike Nichols won as a director. Um, it won for best picture editing, which I guess I could get together with, and uh, was nominated for a whole bunch of other things. Nominated for yeah, casting, was. lead actress, supporting actress. Uh, outstanding writing. Oh, good. I'm glad that they got nominated yes, for writing as I was, well. Because I, I, I know that it won three Emmys, and I thought maybe Emma picked one up for writing, but she didn't, unfortunately. But she got nominated. Yeah. Um, and she has, a, like, a guest Emmy for, like, Ellen, I think. I was just leaping through it a couple minutes ago. Um, oh. Isn't that weird for playing herself? Wow. Oh, wow. Like, 1998 or something like that. It's very strange. Well, one thing I noticed was that... Um, all three actresses, but certainly Emma Thompson and Audra McDonald are uh, no stranger to the Best Supporting Actress category. Uh, we'll start with Emma Thompson because what I, I'm not a – I don't know if I'm a big Love Actually fan, but I love that she got nominated for a BAFTA for Best Supporting Actress for Love Actually. I mean, it's that bedroom scene. It, it, I still I, think about it. It's yep. so beautiful. And the Joni Mitchell. Joni Mitchell? Yeah. Yes. Nice now. Mm-hmm. Um I'll never forgive Alan Rickman. Rest in peace for what he did to her. Ugh. I mean, yeah, it really is. That scene is just is just yeah, so that's good. That's the only I, thing you have to watch. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know if that's a movie we ever need to cover, but, uh, you know, because uh, that'd be really the only moment. But sure. uh, the other thing I wanted to mention was Audra McDonald. Because, so at this point, and just to go back to Best Supporting Audra for a second, who is just she this woman this woman's career is insane like she so by the before this movie came out because this was towards the beginning you know yet still very accomplished but towards the beginning of her career but she had already won three tonys uh in 1994 for best featured actress in a musical best supporting actress for carousel Mm -hmm. and then best featured supporting if you will actress in a play for masterclass in 1996 And then Best Featured slash Supporting Actress in a Musical in 98 for Ragtime. Three-time BSA. Yeah, she is the queen of them. And then I feel like her last two were, I think, I'm. let me guess here, but I'm pretty sure. One was for Porgy and Bess for Lead Actress in a Musical. And the other one um, was for... What's it called? Lady Day? Lady Lady Mm -hmm. something? It's the Billy... No, not Billy. Billy? I'm like Billy. That's Billy, a, that's a hocus pocus. Billy Holiday. Billy Holiday. There it is. Do you like Billy Holiday? I love him. I love him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and is there one more? Does she have six? Yes. So oh. she. Yeah. Go ahead. I at that point, guess, I can't. Oh well, I can give you hints if you want. But the other one to mention before Wit came out is she was also nominated for Best Actress in a Musical in 2000 for something called Marie Christine. Mm, which I don't I'm not I know that. Yeah. Uh, but then in 2004. She won for Best Featured Actress in a Play. We've talked oh, Raisin about this in the already. Sun. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Then in 2007, she was nominated uh, for Best Actress in a Musical for... Uh, uh, it's really hot in here. Uh, smash. It's hot in here. It's really hot in here. Oh, uh, uh, Think uh, about the text. Roof? Think about the text, not the it's emotion. It's really hot in here. Oh, my gosh. Um... <laughs> My mind uh, is going in seven different directions. I'm and only playing. because I made the clip. Hold on. Is it hot in here? It's really hot in here. 
<laughs> I should have just used that. Okay, uh, I'll give it to you. It was she was nominated for 110 in the shade. Oh yeah, 110 in the shade. That's right. <laughs> 110. I called it 110. What a loser. <laughs> what a poser. What a poser. <laughs> That's like when I first called um, Houston Street Houston. Street. Oh yeah, right, right. Julia Houston. <laughs> Julia Houston. Julia. Yeah. Um, so then she w- then she oh, won. <laughs> she won in 2012 for Porgy and Bess. Nice. And then in 2014, Best Actress in a Play. You're right. She won for Lady Day at Emerson's Bar and Grill. And then in 2020, she was nominated uh, for Frankie and Johnny and the Claire de Lune. Oh, fun! Wow, I don't even know what that is. It's uh, they did a movie of it. Uh, I think in the eighties, but okay. it's like uh, yeah, it might be fun to watch. I think the yeah, I I'm not gonna talk at a turn. I don't know enough about it to to stumble through anything. Sure. Um, but then it's like she was nominated twice for best supporting actress in a drama for The Good Fight. Oh, sorry, that was Critics' Choice Awards. Not not that it doesn't count. They but... always get it right though. The Critics' Choice, you know. Yeah. Um. But anyway, even beyond like all of her private awards, practice, yeah. she was on like private practice with Kate Walsh. We yeah. know her. Um, we do. Uh, many episodes of the of the Good Fight, and she was in the Go- the Gilded Age. Oh yes, I mean every Broadway actress was in. The- I I don't know why I haven't like devoured that yet. I think I started watching the first like Carrie Coon. Everyone, everyone's in that. So you know. Yeah, I feel like. But someone told me it was terrible, but, like, he hates everything. So, sure. I, you know. I think I would love it, even just to see all those women. But uh, Look I love this. a period piece. Celia Keenan, Bolger, Debra. Debbie Monk. I must yes. call her Debra, for Kelly God's O'Hara's sake. Kelly O'Hara's in it. Donna Murphy. Yeah. It's uh, Carrie Coon. Stacked. Wow. All right. So maybe anyone listening, uh, Christine Nielsen, I know her. Um, not personally, but I, I know sure. that name. Um but anyone listening, uh, give us a heads up or a thumbs up or a thumbs down on the Gilded Age, and if that's something we should even cover on this podcast in any way. Yeah, respect. or one episode or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, well, I just thought we needed to sing some praises, you know, especially of Audra McDonald. Of like, she is. I mean, like, I, I was blown away that like, oh, this is earlier, in, early in her career, and yet she was also already in. Cr- a cr- I can't even speak. She was already incredibly accomplished and then just kept working. I mean, like, yep. aye, aye, aye. Uh, she seems like one of the good ones, like, as far as just, like, mm-hmm. everyone loves her, and she's just as cool as you want her to be. Right? Like, I feel like that's one of those, like, oh, yeah, everyone likes Audrey McDonald, right? Yep. Nobody has anything negative to say about her, right? Like, It has to be. I mean, the one yeah. she, so many people vote for her because she's, like, she's one of the few that is, like, ridiculously talented in every possible way and also really kind yeah and and is certainly like one of those people where it's like fun to play fantasy casting of like oh i'd love to see audra mcdonald in you know whatever anything, but like yeah anything yeah where but yeah like, i get that game yeah yeah of like oh what would it be like if she was in this role yeah like audra mcdonald in sunset boulevard you know what i mean it's just like what would that look like yeah there are some people rooting for her to play margaret johnson in the light in the piazza even <gasps> oh because she's such an like opera inclined singer yeah that it would be i would i think i'd have to sit down after that news oh it would be God. too much it's who just would, too much. It's just too much. Who would play her daughter? I mean, I don't Kimberly Elise Goldsberry's too old I, for that role, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, Renee Elise. Uh, oh, Renee Elise. Sorry, yeah, Renee that's Elise okay. Goldsberry. But that would have been like 
that would be perfect. Like, you know, 15 years ago with Renee. I mean, there's so many other people that could probably fill that role too. But um, but I would love that. I would love yeah. that. I think Kimberly Elise is the actress who's in Diary of a Mad Black Woman, which I uh, love. So there we that go. Uh, that one I was thinking list. of. Yes, there we go. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll do Diary of a Mad Black Woman. I don't know. I love it. Well, before we uh, shuffle off this mortal coil, we do have one more segment of the episode. Our best supporting our nope, our BSA of the week, in <laughs> which we queen out on a food or a performance or a dog Ooh. or a thing or anything in our lives that's acting as the best supporting actress of our lives. Uh, Susie, baby, what do you got? Oh my goodness! <laughs> I mean, it's it's Lucy. It's uh, I love Lucy is the new addition to the Kachanov. Musoba household and we got her on Monday of this week and it's just been so joyful and like stressful at times and I I can't believe it's real in a way and I'm to keep everyone sort of just in the loop of you know I feel like I mentioned it last week too but um that Keon was never really on board to have a dog ever so for anyone out there who has a partner that is just and I think what drove his, like, it was just sort of, he he just didn't know. He hasn't been around dogs. He mm-hmm. didn't know, like, anything about them. So that's enough. And, like, to just let your mind, or, like, allow your mind to go wild. And we had the best first night. I couldn't believe how, I, it couldn't have gone better. Like, she was so chill in the backseat of the car with me. She just laid on my lap. She came home, no accidents, went pee in the backyard immediately, and just like kind of sat with us and fell asleep. And mm. she's the I think the best thing about her is that she's crate trained, not a peep out of her. I could put her in there during the day, which I've had to have I was like, how do I how do I shower if I'm by myself? Like, what do I do with right. this dog? Because right. um, Keon is still kind of going into the office on Mondays, Wednesdays, and sometimes Fridays. So today I was playing single dad at home. We're recording on Wednesday, and I I felt like uh, I felt like Dustin Hoffman at the beginning of Kramer versus Kramer, <laughs> like cracking eggs into a cup. Yeah. <laughs> you want pancakes? You're yeah, not. You know? <laughs> it was wild. Um, we're still working on potty training. She's had a, a, you know, this is all to be expected. It's like the first week, but like I'm. Uh, you know, like any parent, I just feel like I'm messing it up and not doing the right thing. But I, I have full faith that we will get there. And um, if, I, I will say this. I know this is a very long-winded BS, uh, BSA of the week here. But I'm curious, and maybe you have thoughts too, on potty training. Because we're on the second floor for like 85% of the day. Because that's where we work, especially during mm-hmm. the weekdays. And that's that's the only place that she has accidents is on the second floor. She's never had one on the first floor because we let her out through like the back kitchen door. So I think she mm-hmm. knows she's close, but I have no idea. Like, and it comes, it's very sudden. Like she got the zoomies yesterday and it was really cute. And I turned my head for a second and then she's pooping. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, it's funny now, but I was just, that I know <laughs> she just had to get it out of her. And she just, she just ran too fast. But, um, and I, I just think it, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that people are like, maybe just put her in one room upstairs. Jody texted me and said that they didn't even introduce her dog to the second floor at, until like a month later. Um, it's, it's, I don't know. What are your thoughts on this? How could we get her to know that she can go downstairs? It's like giving those cues. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, like 
I'm of the I, I'm of the mindset of like you know uh, you have full run of the house you you know like this is this is all yours um, so like the, the idea the fact that she's already been upstairs and whatnot like I I that doesn't I think that's fine it makes sense to kind of limit their space for a bit but I can't put limits on pets yeah um, it's hard yeah Ugh, it's like no I need face. to right I need to give you everything you want. I, you know, I, I feel like my take on this, my very, un, you know, unprofessional, I, you know, my experience, you know, with dogs is, you know, 20 years old and is, is you know, I'm much more experienced with cats at this point. Yeah. Um, but I feel like this is maybe just an, you know, an early, just an early kind of kink to work out that she's also learning like, oh, oh, I, if I have to poop, I just have to go down those stairs, you know, like she, ha she's probably still putting together the pieces of where she lives. Yeah. Um, or whereas like maybe when she's downstairs, it's like she already has the cue of, oh, there's the door. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. oh, I know I can go outside. And I don't know. It, it could also just be she's a puppy. She's new. You guys haven't really established routines yet, you know? And so like, I know that my dog, when I was a kid, like, you know, when she had to go, she'd go stand by the back door. And so yes. we developed that routine. Bell, of like, oh, okay. The bell thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so like, I would say, given that it's only been a couple days it could be as simple as that, that like you guys just haven't established those routines and like, you know, over time, I don't know how you'll figure those things out, but I, they I will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But overall, like she's like 80%, like she has so many great things going for her. Like I will take, I said this in the group chat, like I will take cleaning up some poo and some tinkles if I can sleep during the night. And that, that mm -hmm. I know that I can put her in a space where she's just going to like chill. She doesn't even scratch at the cage. She just kind of sits in there really quietly. And even sometimes if I'm cooking, I was cooking dinner last night and she's kind of like nosing around and then she just went in her crate and just like laid down. I was like, oh, mm. you can pee anywhere she you want. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. She's peeing the food. What I do know, I care? Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but she is, it's so fun. And Keon has just, um, he's fallen in love. And watching him fall in love with her makes me fall in love with him more. It is just um, so beautiful. And I mean, those bad. pictures, Ugh. she. I, I love the first night she's like okay I'm just gonna drape myself on Keon and fall asleep it was like she knew exactly what to do yes she's like I think and that was the moment I feel that like mm -hmm. I was I couldn't believe she did it she just like slithered she looks like a horse in all these pictures but she's really not that big she's 33 pounds which I know is like medium-ish yeah. and uh, we'll see how big she gets but we're going to the vets this upcoming Tuesday and uh, you know obedience classes are coming so it's all, wow. all happening Wow. Well, I th I think it's so great. I also feel like, wow, I can't believe this like happens. Like all of a sudden you have a dog. I know. It's just uh it's still sinking in, I feel. This whole week has been like a blur, but uh yeah, I'm so yeah. happy. Well, well she's congratulations. For, she's really going to be my forever BSA, let's be honest, oh, but uh Yeah. You know, we'll check in for some Lucy stories. Uh Yeah. Yeah. Here. I like that. I like a little Lucy, uh, you know, uh, a Lucy check-in. Yes. And and it'll mean so much more to you if you ever get to the season of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills with Lucy, Lucy, Apple Juicy. <gasps> okay. I don't that's know a real, that that's a significant plot point is Lucy, Lucy, Apple Juicy. Uh, who is it? It's a, is it Kyle's so dog? It, 
so it's so Lisa Vanderpump had oh, like a, yeah. a a dog adoption, you know, fancy, you know, rescue or whatever. And I think oh, that's the dog. Dorit that's... adopted Juicy Juicy Apple Lucy, and then things were not working out, and so Dorit returned Lucy to a shelter, a different shelter that was a no kill shelter, but like that became this whole drama yep. of like well, you know. So anyway, uh, that's not going to happen with this it will Lucy not. Juicy Apple Juicy, but. Um, but that's, you know, that's her connection to the world of Real Housewives other than, can you believe it girls, uh, herself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, we're taking her to my parents' house this weekend. My mom has been, my mom texted me actually while we were recording. She's like, how's my favorite dog doing? She's really excited to be, um, what would you call it? A grandmother, I guess. A like grandma. A, a, yeah. You know, she's the grand puppy. Yeah, First grand you know. puppy of the family. It's very exciting. Can't wait for the holidays, like waking Ugh. up on Christmas morning. Ugh. Buying her gifts. I mean, yeah. really, it's it's like a new Halloween's relationship. coming, yes. Yup. There are, I, I feel like she'd look great in a little something, you know? Yes. So many options here. But I uh, mean, maybe the three of you could kind of have a theme in your outfit. I know. You know? Oh, that would be cute. Oh my so god. So many ideas. Like, you could be Popeye. Keon could be olive oil. She could be like a little can of spinach. Yeah, who's the guy like Wimpy? Is that his name? Wimpy, yeah. Yeah, his like friend. I don't know. I yeah. might have just made that up. I think he's uh, the hamburger guy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Um. Anyway, well, how about you, Colin? Well, I I talked about this a little bit on the group chat, but I, you know, I guess it was the it was it, the fortieth anniversary of Poltergeist. Oh, I was yeah. like, oh, we're getting old. But I um. Went to go see it at the, you know, just at the the Regal, the Regal in Astoria. Of course. Nothing fancy, uh, just across from the Applebee's and the PC Richards. Uh, but I went to go see Poltergeist on the big screen. And just because it was like, when am I going to have this opportunity? And, and I want to see like a 40 foot tall Beatrice Strait. You know what I mean? <laughs> Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? And it was just the you know the experience of seeing the theater there's probably like seven other people and of course like a loud popcorn muncher you know it's like all the things that make you like stay home um but just re-watching that movie was such a pleasure and like it really is the thing i was thinking watching it and i was feeling like maybe i was thinking even i don't know what i was thinking of where it was it gave me the same feeling but let's say poltergeist where i was watching it and thinking man if I had never seen this movie before, I would be so blown away by like what Joe Beth Williams is doing in this movie. Like, like yes. already I'm obsessed with it, but like to see that for the first time, to see that performance for the first time, or like to know Beatrice Street as the Oscar winner from Network, and then it's like, and then you're Doctor Lesh, and she's great in the movie. She has such so many great little moments that like yep. she even got like of the seven people in the audience, she got like one of the laugh lines. Like yes. somebody uh and that made me feel really good of like, oh my God, you're la-. it was kind of like watching the Golden Globes in two thousand three and I was like, <laughs> oh my God, you you guys like her too, right? <laughs> yeah. Um But I mean it just it, that movie is from from you know top to tail is just so good and Joe Beth Williams. Mm. Oh my God. That woman that woman, I I believe if I check my Westons, I believe she was a a winner, you know, an inductee for best category, supporting mom. Yeah, well, let's I don't see. think we had like a running down the hall category, but no, but we certainly could have. Let's see, best supporting mom. Ugh. 
okay, let's, since we're there, let's talk about the best supporting mom category. Cause this was the last category we did before we nominated our BSA of the year, who oh was endowed last yes, year. Yes, yes. Uh, the best supporting moms of last year's Westons, not only was Joe Beth Williams uh, included, but Brenda Fricker from My Left Foot. I love that. Uh, Yeri, Yeri Han, Yeti Han. Yeah, I don't know how to I sure. stuck up that name from Minari. Yes. Uh, Linda Belcher from Bob's Burgers. Uh, can you believe it? Diane Keaton from The Family Stone. Okay. I know. I guess we really fell for that. Uh, yeah. Marge Simpson for The Simpsons. <laughs> I love it. And then could have been in Wit, but instead she was an easy A, Patricia Clarkson. Oh, yay. Yeah. I would say if I had to pick a winner of that group, I would give it to Joe Beth Williams. Oh, yeah. Was she in the category? You did read her name, right? She was. Yeah, she was. She was. Yeah, she was in the category as well. Yes, I think so, too. I mean, I. she's incredible in that movie. It's just nuts. And, like, I was just marveling at, like, God. Because, you know, like, they get Carol Ann back. And, and there were so many new things that I picked up about just, like, really the impact of, like, the character of Diane, the character Diane in that movie, um, and, like, the importance of her and all that. But, like, they get they get Carol Ann back from the other side, and then, you know, then there's the last, like, 10, 15 minutes of the movie when the house, you know, comes after them again. And I just... Every time I watch it, I'm just like amazed of what Diane goes through to get her kids out of that house. I just <sighs> the skeletons. Uh, oh no, the is that, is the that pool? Steve and the skeletons who falls in the dad? No, 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 that's her. She falls in the oh, pool with right. the skeletons. Yeah, um, Craig T. Nelson and, and it's Craig prime. T. Nelson, so hot. It's just really, you know, especially coming into this Halloween season, it is such a perfect movie. It's just so good. So. Um, well, that's, that's my BSA of the week. I'm happy for you. That's awesome. I love that 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 theaters do that. That you could still take advantage. Yeah, yeah. And and I like that. I I was a little worried. I was like, oh, I hope it's not like a bunch of like nerds, a bunch of like overgrown, you know. Uh, I know where you're going. T-shirt wearing yeah. <laughs> mom beasts, <laughs> you know, beasts. beasts. I was like, I can't even talk about them. I just didn't want them there. Um, yeah, someone dressed like, as like Zelda Rubenstein yeah. Stein. <laughs> right. I mean, that I would mean, actually maybe, be awesome. I would love that. Maybe I would have been okay with that, actually. Yeah. Um, but in any event, that's my BSA of the week. Um, and speaking of beautiful we got a little spiegel and spiegel uh, coming in to play us off right so i cue. hope you know right on cue um but before we uh before we scoot on out of here and head to head to Smashland, where can folks find more of you they can find me on my other podcast the good vanilla i've taken a little bit of a break because of the dog and life but i feel like i'll start back up next week we'll see um did I say it was a Barefoot Contessa podcast? I think I did. Yeah, it's worth repeating. There we go. Uh, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Nick Kochanov. How about you? Well, you could find me on my other two podcasts in the details, A Celebration of Nuance or All Right, Mary, where we are still a lot of stuff on Patreon, but we're covering you know, Drag Race UK Season 4 and Drag Race Philippines right now. And um, and I think we're going to do an episode maybe for free on this new Hulu drag extravaganza. Have you seen the ads for this? Oh, I don't even think I did. But it it's sounds like a, familiar. It's like a Hulu Halloween special full of drag people. So, cool. um, But it's got like Lady Bunny as well. Oh, so it's okay. not just drag race queens, which makes me nice. feel good. The legends. 
Yeah, and so uh, you can find me there. You can find me on Instagram, a contractor underscore, or you can find both of us in a best supporting capacity on Instagram at BSA Pod. Or you can send us an email at thebsapod at gmail.com. Well, I mean, peel them, baby. Peel those peepers, because on Patreon, we are continuing our discussion of season one of Smash, and it has gotten uh, <laughs> truly, truly Off insane. The off the rails and I say it every week and I mean it I know it just keeps you know and it just so fun raising the bar for all of us and doing it flawlessly so if you want to join us for that discussion and get early access to episodes just like this you get it a whole day early sometimes I want to hear a podcast a whole day earlier than I usually hear it so uh, $5 a month patreon.com slash BSA pod yeah what's not to love folks yeah right and uh, that as they say is that 